So great to be with you again for LifeWords Q&A. It is our weekly podcast discussion with David Ray where we talk about life, we talk about faith, and how we do it here on Earth. Uh, it's a complica- It can be a complicated thing, David, but welcome to the show yet again. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Uh, great, great questions again this week, and if you would like to submit a question, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our first question is, a colleague at work heard me being critical of those Islamist terrorists we hear about. He said, we Christians uh, are just as bad. We committed violence in the name of our faith. David, is he right? Well, look, this raises quite a few issues, Andrew. Certainly there have been bad things done in the name of Jesus in the past, although we have to ask whether they were done by true followers of Jesus or by by power-hungry religious people. That's another matter. And, of course, many Muslims make the same protest. When they're confronted by such acts of terrorism, people point the finger at them and say, well, there you go, that's what Muslims are like. Mm. And Christians would want to say, well, hang on, uh, just because some so-called Christians have done bad things in the past does not simply uh, demolish the whole Christian faith. And I think we've got to be fair to our Muslim friends when they say, but hang on, these people are doing things in the name of Islam that we would not want to have done. We don't believe Islam pushes us in that direction. So, I mean, in other words, you don't judge a faith by its extremism. Um, so I think we've got to, I, I would want Christians to be treated fairly like that. And I think we have to treat um, other faiths um, fairly like that. I, I want to say in general terms, this might sound to be terribly arrogant, but I, th- I think I want to say in general terms, atrocities today are not largely committed by Christians. There, there, there are very few in the world who I believe are committing acts of terrorism in the name of Jesus. And so if people want to say, yes, Christians have done some bad things and they're just as bad as terrorists today, I'd say, well, 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 yes, Christians have done some bad things, whether they were Christians is mm. another matter, and Muslims have done bad things, whether they're true Muslims is another matter as well. Yes, yes, yes. But I think when I look around the world today, when we see this rise of terrorism and all this sort of thing, I don't see many that are committed by Christians. Yes, 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 we do have that fellow in Norway, wasn't it, who who claimed to be a Christian yep. and, uh, and, and so on and so on. Yes, we have to say, well, look, hang on, he's certainly not following the commands of Jesus there. We as Christians would want to, whatever his personal faith is, we would want to disown such horrible actions as being so anti-Christian. It's not funny. Uh, so I would not really want to put him in the category of, of, of a Christian who has committed terrorism. I mean, anyone who follows Jesus in any significant way at all is not going to commit acts of terrorism. I mean, give it a break. Yeah, just just after the Paris uh, Terrorism Acts, David, I was listening to Talkback Radio, and uh, they they made the, uh, the 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 announcer was talking about how the um the, the Christian faith doesn't sort of allow that kind of act to take place these days. But a caller said, "Well, what are you talking about? The Old Testament is full of uh, eye for an eye and all that kind of stuff." Uh, but I would I would suggest that maybe the the New Testament does replace, and Jesus does say, "Love your enemies." Well, I think it gets to a very basic question of how different religions interpret their sacred texts. All I'd want to say is, and I presume to pass no judgment on the Quran or whatever, but as someone who knows his Bible, I would say, yes, there there are very complex, ambiguous statements in the Old Testament about such violent acts and so on, uh, which were unique to their time. But yes, the the teachings of Jesus seem to give us um, another perspective. And I think I'd want to say, from my understanding, that there are scholars of the Quran in, within the Muslim community that would see, well, no, 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 the Quran does not in and of itself justify terrorism or violence and so on. Whereas, of course, would 
testify that it does. And there you've got a diversity of views of scholars of the Quran, just as you have a diversity of views of scholars of the Bible. So I would want to urge uh, Christians, Muslims, whoever, to just be a little bit careful because the sacred texts that we have are not always straightforward. But I would want to reiterate what I've said before, that anyone who really seriously follows Jesus, I'm not talking about Muhammad or anything, mm. let, let the Muslims argue about that, but as a Christian, as one who follows Jesus, anyone who thinks that Jesus uh, or the Christian faith justifies acts of terrorism, they've got it all hopelessly wrong. And and yes, some people would, some Muslim scholars feel that Muslim terrorists have got the Quran wrong. Others think no, they've got it just right. Well, I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to go into that debate because I've got to be I've, I've got to be aware of my own limitations there. The important thing to say is the thing is that that if someone wants to equate terrorism or, or sorry all acts of terrorism with anything that Christians have done through history, I think we've got a bit of a problem there with something called um, moral equivalence. Uh, what, what I mean by that is we can all agree that all human beings are imperfect and capable of good and evil, whether you. Buddhist, Christians, Islam, whatever. But to morally equate all acts of ungodliness is not right. You see, the my ungodliness um, is not to be morally equated with the ungodliness of um, Hitler or Pol Pot. That 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 makes it ridiculous. As, as, as Hitler and Pol Pot a sinner in the eyes of God? Yes, indeed. Am I a sinner in the eyes of God? Yes, indeed. Do I do wrong? Yes. Do they do wrong? Yes. But to, to, to sort of say, well, there you go, you Christians, um, you do wrong, therefore you're just as bad as all these others, I think is to actually misunderstand the nature of morality. Oh, yes, we're all imperfect. But I don't think for one minute that we can morally equate mass evil uh, done in the name of religion or, or any other reason, with the isolated acts of individuals. Yes, each is morally wrong and equally sinful in the eyes of God. Yes, 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 we understand that. But not all sins are equal when it comes to human consequences. And that's mm. why we find acts of mass terrorism, particularly done in the name of any religion, so abhorrent, because it is an extreme case of what is universal human sinfulness. Thanks, David. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A, uh, David Ray, Andrew Morris, and we are just uh, answering three questions each each week, uh, questions that you submit, and you submit them through our email address, which is lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our second question, David, is a family member has expressed interest in becoming a Christian. I want them to start reading the Bible. Where should they start? At the beginning or somewhere else? Well, I'd certainly say, Andrew, don't recommend they start at the beginning and working through. They'll give up halfway through Leviticus. Yeah. Um, some people do want to say that. Oh, I'll start at the beginning. But the Bible's not quite like any other book. Yes, if you're going to read a novel, you start at the beginning and work through, of course, or a book of history, you do that. But the Bible is a library of different books. And to feel as though you can read it from Genesis to Revelation, somewhere rather chronologically or thematically, no. It's actually, I don't think, the way the Bible was even meant to be read. So I don't recommend starting at the beginning and working through. Although, of course, later on in life, if you become a Christian and you're well aware of biblical truths, yes, it might be a very good idea to do that, but certainly not at the beginning. I always remember um, on, on this theme, during the old Billy Graham crusades, they, all the counsellors used to sort of give give new Christians or, or inquirers the Gospel of John, and I've never mm. understood why. Now, far be it from me to question Billy Graham's credentials as an evangelist. He was brilliant. But when you think of the Gospel of John, it's got such a complex beginning. I guess In it's a quick summary of, 
of of everything, isn't it? In a, well, in well, a sense. well, yeah, but, but but it's such a complex thing. In the beginning, it was a word, and the word yeah. was God, and the yeah. word was with God, and um, in the beginning, uh, nothing was made that was not made, and all. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, you go in, and you, and then the? later on in the Gospel of John. John records things and then he goes into such complex things. I'm obviously not criticising him. That's the sort of gospel he was writing. He was writing a detailed theological reflection of the life and work of Jesus. And that is something that's imperative to read at some stage and to grasp. But I'm here talking about this person who was, who was interested in becoming a Christian. I'm just concerned that while John, yes, gives them all the good stuff, it might be, as it were, a bit of... Um, too much, uh, too much of a good thing too soon might lead yeah. to sort of spiritual indigestion. <laughs> so I was always wondering about the Billy Graham Crusades. Why on earth they started people with the Gospel of John? I suspect because John has so many good things in it, like John three sixteen and all mm. the wonderful encounters with Jesus. But there's all this complex, long theological dialogue that are wonderful for Christians to read, but for an inquirer. I'd want to start them somewhere else. But I, I still think it's good to start with Jesus. And so you think, well, maybe, what is it, Matthew, Mark or Luke? I'd go for Mark. And the reason I go for Mark is twofold. One is you get straight into the action. Matthew and Luke, you've got a bit of genealogies and mm, a bit of other stuff yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you can get through them. But but Mark, and the other reason for Mark is that he's short. And the, yeah, perhaps even a third reason, Mark is not only shorter than the other Gospels, but he's fairly action-packed. Mark tends to sort of describe Jesus in very straight narrative. He did this, then he did this. He said this, then he said that. And it's a great way of introducing yourself to the general life of Jesus. So I'd say go, go, go straight into Mark because I think it's good to start with Jesus and I think Mark probably offers you the best way of um, getting into Jesus. And perhaps after that, the, I'd suggest to an, uh, an inquirer, well, if you've finished, Mark, go on to Acts. Okay. And so what, Acts, what is Acts going to help the, uh, the inquirer about the Christian faith? Uh, well, 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 well it, it's actually going to give them the story. It's actually, you're actually launching them into an actual historical story about the early church. There, there might not be quite as much theological depth into it as some of the other books that they might go on to later. But I'm thinking right at the outset, having read the life of Jesus and said, well, this is interesting, what happens next? Well, what happens next is Acts, um, how the early church um, uh, developed on the basis of the life and the work of Jesus. If, if I was then going to say, okay, beyond Acts, um, should, we, should we read an epistle or two? Well, yes, probably the best epistle I'd suggest is Philippians. Not that it hasn't got any depth in it, it has, but Philippians is fairly short and sharp. It, creates, it, 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 it uh, includes a lot of good uh, practical stuff, uh, and it's a, generally regarded as a more straightforward epistle than say, some of the longer ones. And if you wanted to go into the Old Testament, well, Genesis is the obvious place to start, of course. But but then but then I would also want to say to an inquirer, uh, look, look at the Psalms. The Psalms were the songbook of the early church and the early Christians. And, and I would want to say the Psalms describe an individual's relationship mm. with God. So, so that would be the sort of general sequence I'd suggest. So you mentioned the word epistle. Can you just explain what that means? Oh, the epistle is a letter. Uh, really, that's a, it, it, it's a letter to a church that Paul and Peter and James and others wrote. The, these epistles, these letters actually were, were sort of outworkings of the doctrines of Jesus and of God and of the church and of the Holy Spirit. And as such, they're very good teaching. They might not be the place to start because I think the place to start is with the person of Jesus, because mm. all these so-called epistles and other books actually uh, branch out 
and are based on from the life and the work of Jesus. But in the end, Andrew, I mean, be aware the Holy Spirit's able to guide and direct. And my, my comment about John, look, there's probably so many people listening out there now who said, well, I became a Christian through reading um, uh, the Gospel of John or through reading Habakkuk or Isaiah in the Old Testament. Well, the Holy Spirit's able to do that. And 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 but but I think we use our common sense perhaps in saying we suggest you start here rather than there. It might be easier. And and also make sure the person's got access to a good translation of the Bible that's easily understood. Might not be the most literally accurate version, but certainly a reliable one like say the New Living Translation or maybe the Message Paraphrase could be a good way to start. Yep. And certainly um, a study Bible perhaps, which will offer some helpful notes to the person. But but above all, I think above all. Um, be a good friend if this person says well look I'm interested in becoming a Christian I want to I want to start off with a book of the Bible be there available for them and to say start off with Mark let me know if you've got any issues with it and I can point you to where you can get help or someone you're listening to LifeWords Q&A with Andrew Morris David Ray if you've got a question LifeWords at hopemedia.com.au if you haven't explored some of the previous episodes I'd highly recommend that you uh, go to hope1032.com.au and just just uh, have a browse at some of the previous podcasts. There's a whole stack of them and uh, some really good questions have been answered. I think we're looking at around 78 questions or 79 at the moment. So there's a lot of stuff to get into. All questions that um, that people like you have asked over the years. And uh, yeah, some really insightful stuff there. Our last question for this episode, David, is I sometimes hear, hear of people in our church claiming that God has told them to do this or that. I'm a bit suspicious of it. Should I be? Um, maybe not so much suspicious, but you would be cautious. There are two extremes in all this. People saying God's told me to do this. One one extreme uh, is to dismiss it and to say, well, uh, no, God doesn't do that. We've got the Bible now. God doesn't speak to you directly. Um, well, the Bible never seems to itself suggest that, and I'm, I'm quite confident that God can speak privately to people. And directly to people apart from the Bible or the preacher. Often people who are sceptical about God speaking to people are sometimes Bible preachers and teachers who say, no, God only speaks through the Bible and guess, who's, guess who preaches the Bible? Me, sort of thing. So in other words, they're really saying God really only speaks through me. Now, that, you've got to be careful of that sort of thing. And just because God does not tell you to do something doesn't mean to say you might not tell someone else to do something because God does tailor sometimes his revelation to different people in different ways. But but of course, he if he if he does reveal things privately and personally to people through some means or other, private means, we have to understand it's got to be consistent with the written revelation in Scripture. But I, I'd want to say, first of all, to avoid the extreme of, of rubbishing such a claim. If someone comes to you and says, God told me, I think it's unwise and unkind to simply say, what a load of rubbish. Uh, he hasn't told you any such thing because that's to trample on this person's uh, uh, experience. It may not be a real experience, as I'll get onto in a minute, it may be, and maybe one one thing that person needs to explore is how they express what God has said. Yeah, you might want to probably say, I feel like God is saying this rather than saying, God told me, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yes, that's right. Because you see, you know, it, it's best to say, yes, look, I've been thinking and praying and I'm getting a sense that God might want me to dot, 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 yeah. dot, dot, because that at least allows the person to whom they're speaking to say, oh, that's interesting. But if, see, if someone comes to me and says, God told me uh, that we should imply a full-time youth worker in the church. 
well, what am I to say? Mm. Um, well, if God told you, who's going to argue with God? And that can be sadly a way of um, a spiritual blackmail, a, a yep. power play. Uh, I want my, I want a full-time youth worker in this church, and the best way to do it is to tell people that God told me that that's what we should do. So who's going to argue with God? Yep. Well, what I want to say is, having said, please don't dismiss such statements outright, I also want to say is don't assume the truth of what's been said either because much depends on how well we know the person. I know some people well enough that if they t- said to me, God told me, that I'd have to take it very seriously. Mm. Um, but other people, sadly, can be confused or misled. Um, as I say, people can use such phrases to get their own way or force their opinions on others. I think the best thing is that, look, if, if someone does say, God told me, uh, I think we best say, well, look, God's placed you in a church, a Christian community. If God has told you to do this, well, okay, um, would you be prepared to submit that to a few other trusted people? And uh, then they can perhaps prayerfully reflect on it and see what it is. And can we see that it is consistent with Scripture? It may be that God has told you to do something that is absolutely proper and may not only benefit you but the whole church. It may be that's the case. But we don't want to jump to that conclusion before submitting it to some examination review. And if the person who makes the statement says, no, 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 God told me, full stop, that's when I think you say red light, red light, orange light, orange light, and say, no, because proud and misguided people won't allow such things to be reviewed. But a wise and humble person will allow for such checking because it could be that they're right, but it may be that they're wrong. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, just having how, how you express what you believe God's saying to you uh, for someone else and also giving that, that person who's receiving that word the freedom to say, look, just pray about it and see what you think God is saying about the word that I've just mentioned. Yes, yes. Look, there's so many people who go through life using that terminology. Uh, I, I, I don't use the terminology. Uh, I've made so many decisions in my life in the last few years and I've never used the phraseology, God told me, God led me. Um, but I'm sure God has told me and led me, but I don't use that phraseology, whereas other Christians whom I would trust and respect use that terminology. Whereas I might say, well, as I was thinking the other day or as chatting to a friend of mine, I came to the conclusion that dot, dot, dot. And whereas another person uh, might say, God told me. And we may be talking about the same thing, but doing it in a different way. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Thanks very much for your company. Hope you've enjoyed uh, our episode today. We'll be back next time with another episode of Your Questions. David, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andrew. You can download all the latest uh, uh, podcasts from hope1032.com.au. Also, if you want to subscribe to the podcast and get them automatically when you turn your um, your iTunes on, your computer, just go to the iTunes store and search for uh, LifeWords Q&A. Uh, it's under Hope Media Limited. Thanks for your company. Speak to you next time.